Hi everyone, welcome back to another week of Our Flag Means Death. Emily and I went together to go see Thor Love and Thunder last night and had completely opposite opinions. So keep your ears open for when we eventually do a Marvel podcast in three years and you can hear what we thought then. Thanks so much for tuning into another episode. Hope you enjoy this one. Grab a drink and a snack, sit back, and uh, enjoy the show. Take it away, theme song. Hi everyone, welcome back to Our Sister Made Me View It, Miscellaneous, currently covering season one of our... You don't like Miscellaneous? My sister. My sister made me view it. What did I say? Our sister made me view it. Hi everyone, welcome back. <laughs> Hi everyone, welcome back to My Sister Made Me View It, Miscellaneous, currently covering Our Flag Means Death. In this episode, we're jumping into season one, episode six, The Art of... Written by Simone Nathan and directed by Fernando Frias. Uh, as a quick reminder, we try to keep our language, all audiences appropriate. You'll see there's no E next to our podcast. We're not an explicit language podcast. So we're going to use a lot of euphemisms and bleep outs as we're discussing this episode, The Art of Frickery. <laughs> In this episode, theater, the theater. What's happened to the theater, especially where amputations are concerned? <laughs> Emily, can I get your first thoughts as to episode six? Okay, so I remember for our last episode, you said the fifth one was not your favorite. Well, the fifth <laughs> one was pretty much my favorite, and you said this sixth one is one of your favorites. It was not really my favorite. <laughs> Oh, see, that's why we do a podcast together. It wasn't bad. That mm -hmm. let me blanket statement that right there. It just it wasn't my favorite. That's fair. I did actually, and I I I had a sense that there'd be some stuff in here you didn't like, so I did have you mute or close your eyes uh, a couple Which, times. Thank you. You're a good <laughs> sister. I appreciate you. Uh, Emily doesn't like injuries and a lot of the comedy in this episode comes from being stabbed or getting stuff cut off or talking about killing people <laughs> <laughs> and i'm not saying i find those things funny in real life <laughs> but i really love this episode I love the setup and the payoff of the stabbing, which you actually, you thought that the stabbing in the non-vital spot, you mm -hmm. thought that was going to come back when Blackbeard was going to stab Ed during yes. the, sorry, when Blackbeard was going to stab Steed during the theatrical presentation. Yeah, yeah. But it came back at the end with the duel with Izzy. <gasps> with this show, they do such a good job, like you said, at the setup and the payoffs. And I love that stuff that you don't think is going to be very important later on is really important later on. And it's yeah, great. That, like it, it starts as a bit and then it ends up being the way that we solve the problem of the episode. So mm -hmm. we start off, however, with a montage of our time together on the revenge and the opening shot of 
the ship itself, this may be one of my favorite opening shots where it's this beautiful golden ocean and the camera's, you know, ever so slightly craning down and it's just this golden sunrise and it feels almost like the ship is going to take off and fly. Like this looks very mm-hmm. much like the shot in the the um, animated Peter Pan when the ship is covered in, in fairy dust and takes off. Mm-hmm. And everyone is sitting around together laughing and talking in this beautiful soft golden light just truly a crew and it's not just the crew of the revenge it's also most of blackbeard's mm-hmm. uh company as well the only one that is literally separated from all of them is izzy and he's having a dramatic inner monologue about hey i'm beginning to think that the captain said he was going to kill steve <laughs> but i don't think he is like yeah, and and that one shot with everyone spread out eating dinner together is set up, you know, like, if this were in real life, they'd be sitting in a circle so they could see each other. But it's spread mm-hmm. out with everyone on one side of the ship, very much like, you know how the Last Supper, everybody's just sitting on one side of the table? Mm-hmm. And it, it plays into, and I know y'all are sick of me hearing this, the fairy tale feeling of life on board the Revenge. That this is set very specifically to look at this beautiful, happy moment. And you could hardly see Izzy in the background of the shot because of how the light's covering him. Yeah. And he calls Blackbeard Edward, even though later he yells at he yells at Steed for doing that. Because, uh, Emily, how do you think Izzy feels about Steed and Ed? I... I really think he's he's jealous. I think he feels he's being replaced. Yeah. And that would make anybody feel bad. I'm not saying yeah. that Izzy is making stupid decisions because he shouldn't feel this way. It's perfectly normal and natural when you're being replaced, either if like your best friend has, you know, found someone else or there's a breakup and your ex has found someone else. Like yeah. or the, it's the a tough captain time. that you dedicated your whole life to falls in love with a fancy man on a fancy ship <laughs> <laughs> that say, izzy has no way of measuring up to yeah like there's no way that izzy can be steed bonnet which is clearly what blackbeard wants right because what blackbeard likes in steed that he talked about like what drew him to him in the first place we talked about it in episode four is that steed is different from every other pirate he's ever known and he's doing mm-hmm. stuff as a pirate no one else is doing and izzy is very much 100 percent traditional pirate the piratiest of pirates that we've meet in this show and so yeah like you said of course he can't be steed bonnet the whole point is that steed bonnet is not like izzy or is not like the other crew members yeah and that brings up an interesting interesting point and if i'm jumping too far ahead we can stop and talk about it at the end but we find out later on through the thing that blackbeard has literally only killed one person in his entire life and that he puts it on other people Mm -hmm. to do the killing or whatever like he's like i maim people but who hasn't you know and the idea that izzy is more of a okay quote-unquote, Izzy is more of a pirate than Blackbeard is, uh-huh. is a very interesting, cool thread. Yeah. Because it's pretty clear that Izzy will kill anyone Blackbeard asks him to. 
Mm-hmm. And probably has many people. I mean, we saw it. We saw it in the last episode where Blackbeard asked Fang to throw the ca- captain of the French ship overboard and skin him with the snail fork first. That Blackbeard asks his crew to do really horribly gruesome stuff that he himself is not willing to do. Yeah. But the way that it's played up is that, he, of course, he would do it, but he's the captain and it's beneath him. Yeah. That's why he has minions or you know yeah. whoever uh i think it's pretty clear that blackbeard does not live his life according to the alethi codes of war from the Stormlight Archive. <laughs> one of the tenets of the codes of war specifically you may not ask your men to do what you are not willing to do yourself so yeah yeah sorry blackbeard you can't fight <laughs> on the shattered plates <laughs> It says my call ends in 10 minutes. Mine does too. What the frick? That's never happened before. That's never happened. Should we just end it? And then I wonder if it's because you rejoined and there were three people in the meeting. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Let's quick hang up and then get back together. But leave your recording going. This won't mess with the recording at all. I'm like, listen, yesterday we definitely talked for like four hours. (laughs) What is this? So back to the back to the show. We cut to the uh, sword fight teaching scene on the deck on top of Izzy's line. I'd say he somehow become seduced by this imbecile. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, listen, I'm glad we started talking about the fairy tale feel of the ship because Uh a lot of times when... I'm watching a movie or a TV show, especially with friends, and something happens either like medically, and I'm like one of my friends is a nurse, and she's like, that could never, mm-hmm. ever work, or things like that. One of the things that Blackbeard teaches Steed is how to run a man through. Oh, when you get run through, how to avoid all the important bits getting stabbed. And I'm sitting there going, infection. Bleeding out, stitches, disease. Uh, And that threw me out so hard. It just threw me out of the show because I'm going, that's really, duh, it's really dangerous. Don't do that. But again, it's the fairy tale, you know, kind of feel and... But it was just so weird to me. It was, I, I hated it. I hated it. Hey, so did Izzy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So before we get to the end of the sword fight, I want to talk a little bit about it. Cause like, I love the scene of them fighting and like going back and forth and having fun. And that this has some parallels to the fight at the end of the episode. Because Seed actually starts with, shall we call this a draw? And then Blackbeard says never and automatically wins. And also mm-hmm. the the whole deck is dim. They're fighting directly in front of the cherry wood mast that Steed is going to get stabbed into. And that has a lantern light on it. So it's almost like getting spotlighted at the beginning of the episode. Oh, is it almost like a video game where like the light Stop. means stuff? No, listen, listen. <laughs> I told Emily once that video game level design there will often be lighting cues to indicate which way to go and now she's like every light in a video game is important and i'm like stop <laughs> standing under that street lamp and it's like you said the lights were important i'm like i said they were an indicator <laughs> you guys i'm gonna teach emily to be so good at video games just wait <laughs> okay <laughs> i look forward to it other thing is when blackbeard 
swipes Steed's sword out of the way. He spanks him with the sword, <laughs> which later Steed does in the fight with Izzy. That's right. When he gets Izzy at a disadvantage and Olu's like, now! And he spanks him with the sword and Olu's like, no, stab him! <laughs> I love how serious Steed, like, you could totally mess with Steed as Blackbeard. You could totally mess with Steed and tell him anything that pirates wear pink pantaloons on Wednesdays. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. And Steed would 100% believe him. And the idea that spanking in a duel is not <laughs> a legit move in a duel. <laughs> so, but he thinks it is now because that's yeah. what Blackbeard taught him how to do. And, like, when they were doing Dining is Pageantry in episode five, and Steed is telling Blackbeard explicitly these are all the rules of behavior when you're dining and stuff. When Izzy challenges Steed to a duel, Steed actually asks, what are the rules of dueling? Like, Blackbeard didn't take him through the formalities at all. They're just Mm -hmm. dicking around with their swords. (laughs) (laughs) But real fast in this scene, Emily, what costume is Steed wearing? Oh, well, let me. Oh, sorry. I know you didn't like this duel. We jumped out of it instantly, but. Um, so he is wearing, he is wearing, uh, I can't tell the color of the pants, but he's got a white shirt on and a black tie on. He looks like a schoolboy. So this was the outfit that he was wearing in episode four before they swapped. There. Oh, okay. So, uh, you see that little black tie, that little black scarf. Mm-hmm. It's back. Okay. Perfect. I just I just like that scarf. Um, and you're right. It is hard to tell the color of the pants on deck. He may be wearing a different, like, purpley like or pale. blue or purple. Yeah. 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 Although um, the scene has been color graded down uh, to be a nighttime scene. How can so, you tell that? Because uh, low-level light, our eyes don't pick up this amount of color. Oh, we had we had that yeah. whole conversation in the last one. Okay, I, so yeah. Sorry, I thought maybe it was just something that you, as a storyboard artist or something, <laughs> would just like instinctively yeah. understood in your soul. Yeah. No. A a. Well, okay. Most shows and films are color graded to some extent, and the okay. reason why is you can be shooting scenes on different days from each other. Some of them can be inside a soundstage and then like the next shot can be outside. Like films are shot out of order. And the main purpose of color grading is to ensure that the lighting and coloration of each shot stays consistent throughout your scene. Um, However, you can also push the artistry of your color grading in order to give every shot a consistent tone. Sorry, to give every shot a consistent but unrealistic tone. And the example I usually use for this is the first Twilight film. Everything has been color graded with grays and blues all the Mm -hmm. way through, even though that's not the colors they would have picked up in the camera. So yeah, blue light is uh, hard to pick up. And if you're filming stuff that's really dark, it's hard to like focus and get good visuals through your aperture. So it's probably that this scene was shot a little brighter originally and then color graded down to be dimmer and bluer. Okay. Um, Question, and I don't know if you'll know the answer. You can totally cut this. Um, Do you know if they filmed this show, Our Flag Means Death, in order? Or do you think they filmed, like, do you know if they filmed episodes out of order or... 
I mean, obviously every episode is filmed out of order, but I just wondered if they're like, oh, today we're going to do a scene from episode two and four because location. Okay. That's, that's a really good point. Production wise, I don't know, you know, how they shot the episodes. I know that their director shots, shot two or three episodes in a row. I think, yes, if they had planned ahead for locations, I'm going to guess that you know, they filmed on an island, so we filmed everything that was set on an island during, like, this chunk of production where we were in location. But I would say generally things are shot in order. Okay. But again, when we have, when we invite David Jenkins on our podcast <laughs> uh, for season two, then we'll be able to ask him, like, hey, what were your shooting schedules like? I know that uh, they were all shot over the period of, like, three months. So they would have been shot very close together, you know, even if they were uh, out of order. So there you go. Cool. Anyway, the reason why I bring up the costumes is this is sort of like, okay, I'm going to project a lot in this episode. So everyone come along for a ride with me. This is the most natural state of who they are. This is they can be each other when they're around each other that you brought up in the last episode that Ed's like never had that with someone before. And so he's in his original Blackbeard outfit and Steed is in his original Steed outfit. And then they're just, they're just a couple guys being dudes. <laughs> and, and he gets run through and, and I, I really love the scene because he, he forces basically Ed at gunpoint Ed, forces Steve me. to run him through with his dueling sword and then takes the time to explain this is how you get stabbed. I've had it done multiple times to myself, blah, blah, blah. There's nothing important on the right side. And Steed is just like, what about the liver? That's <laughs> that like, we don't even know what that does. <laughs> but oh, I yeah. love that because once it's all done, He's like, okay, now pull it out. And I'm surprised Steve didn't pass out because he's just like, <laughs> So yeah, the, the logic of the show, it's okay if you get stabbed all the way through. You're not going to die. That's, that's, that's important. That's not what I was going to say. Oh yeah, uh, what I was going to say is I'm a bad fan if I don't point out Blackbeard's tummy shows a little bit in the sequence. <laughs> when he opens his jacket and leads back, it says, stab me. And you see his tummy. It's like, Sorry, his belly button. I don't want to infantilize the actor. But he leans back and, like, you can see his stomach and all the fans are like, yes, this is amazing costume design. (laughs) (laughs) Because you talked about this on the podcast already. If you get stabbed and your shirt, like, it goes through your shirt Mm -hmm. and there's a fiber that gets in there, it could get infected and kill you. So the idea that you remove all the barriers (laughs) is very important. Are you happy now? Yeah. <laughs> I've stabbed you, you nut. <laughs> oh, they're both groaning and, you know, ah, ah, as they're trying to pull the sword out. And Izzy overhears this and thinks that something else completely different is happening. Some tomfoolery is happening. And Con O'Neill delivers his, it's the same line three times in a row. And he puts just such intense changing emotion in every (laughs) single one he goes from shock to grief to rage in like two (laughs) seconds and i'm like awards awards for con o'neill playing izzy in this episode (laughs) oh 
Remember how I said I was watching the Batman? Uh-huh. He's in the Batman. He's in the Batman. He's I watch the, the Batman now. I'll watch it with you. You don't have to. Okay. It's it's, it's, it's Robert Patterson it? beating people up. I'm yeah. enjoying it. <laughs> I bet it's a lot of fun. I am not a big one for comic book movies. They have to eat my socks, though, because I did see Doctor Strange, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Doctor Strange, too. Hey, do you guys want to hear about how I'm a fake Marvel fan? <laughs> yes, please. The last Marvel movie I saw in the theaters was Black Panther in 2018. <laughs> I didn't watch the Infinity Saga. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Ant-Man 2 against my will over Christmas. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I really loved WandaVision, even though I haven't seen any of the other TV shows. I really loved WandaVision, so I just went into... Um, Dr. Strange being like, I hope Wanda's in this. She was. <laughs> I'm a very um, simple woman. <laughs> I, I, I went and saw it the day after you, um, mm-hmm. and we talked about it. And so I thought my friend would really love it. And so I call up, called up one of my friends and just said, Hey, I'll get tickets if you want to go. And about an hour before we go, I just thought for a second and I texted her. I said, have you seen WandaVision? She's like, no, is that important? <laughs> like, here's a link that explains all the important bits that you need to see. <laughs> Missed all the important bits. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so much fun, Megan, talking oh, about yeah. Dr. Strange with you. Oh, the soundtrack. I'm not going to go on a tangent, but Danny Elfman does the soundtrack. That is all that has been playing in my on my Spotify for the last two days. Uh, I love it. One of my Twitter mutuals went to go see Doctor Strange and Kevin Feige, Sam Raimi, and Danny Elfman showed up <gasps> for the screening. No! Because that's ah! just what happens to people who aren't me in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> was it okay. the El Capitan Theater? No, it was just a normal just a movie theater. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I would die. Mm-hmm. I would die. Mm-hmm. That would be very cool. Uh, shout out to the title card of this episode. Sorry, drawing back to our flag means death. It is the only one that wasn't a practically created effect because it is indeed on the moon. Uh, and they don't have the funds to carve (laughs) on the moon for this show yet. But Emily, what kind of moon is it? I've looked into it. We don't have the technology. Science is impossible. (laughs) Emily, what kind of moon is it? It's a full moon. It's a full moon again, which I have some stuff to say about this again. Because we talked in the last episode how it's a full moon, even though technically it was only been like four days since the last full moon. And this is two weeks later and it's a full moon again. And I would like to propose that fairy tale logic time has been suspended during the amount of time that uh, Ed and Steed are spending together. And where all of, uh, specifically, this episode is very Peter Pan to me. Mm-hmm. That, you know, oh, I won't grow up. I won't face my responsibilities. I'm just gonna always be a little boy and play swords and have fun. Mm-hmm. Hi. Get ready for Megan's ultra, super, ultimate quadruple extra projectionism nonsense because i love <laughs> i'm this here episode. for this 
Uh, so the crew's nighttime storytelling has been expanded to, you know, we, we read books and now everyone else is just telling stories about their past. And now we're all around telling ghost stories. Steed's not good at ghost stories. Uh, he has introduced a freakishly carriage driver with a hook for a head. And everyone's like, oh, this doesn't work. I was expecting this to come back later as the beginnings of the hook hand man urban legend. Hook hand man car door hand. (laughs) (laughs) And I I just, I I thought that maybe that he would rewrite the story or whatever to be like a hook for a hand now. And yeah. Yeah. But like, but no one would have gotten a hook hand. Yeah. No one's very impressed, and they're they're questioning how does he kiss? How does he do this? It's like he doesn't. He has a hook for a head. He doesn't kiss. Nobody likes him. <laughs> doesn't have any friends. Oh. Um, and Black Pete. Okay, I was not a fan of this character. I I was not. He was just kind of like not stereotypical, but from the beginning, he's he was just not. Someone I really enjoyed watching. Yes. Are you not going to let me finish my thought? Oh, no. This is me raising my hand for when you're done to call on me. Got it. Got it. No, you go. It's it's over. Go. No. (laughs) I was going to say, you don't like characters that hate the protagonist. Mm -hmm. You're right. I don't. You don't. And at the beginning, Black Pete was like, let's kill the captain. Let's get rid of the captain. Let's get rid of him. And... And Black Pete in the first couple episodes is set up to be the macho man who's like, Mm -hmm. I should be killing and pillaging and this captain's weak and I hate him and sewing is for women, like all that sort of stuff. And over the last couple episodes, especially in the, the scenes we've seen him in with Lucius, Black Pete is really like not the character he started out as. Yeah, I love seeing character growth. Mm-hmm. I love it. I don't care if it's villain to hero or if it's sweet and innocent to like dastardly villain or whatever. I just I love seeing people go from one thing to the complete opposite. That's one of my favorite character arcs. And I feel like we're getting that a lot with Black Pete and we'll talk about it more at the end, but he does show a different side of himself and he might be my favorite um pirate in this episode. He's a huge fan of Blackbeard. And so he's like, mm-hmm. I bet Blackbeard knows a scary story. What's, you know. And then he goes, sir. Sir. <laughs> and but we do. We hear. Oh, go ahead. One of my favorite Black Pete reactions is when he's like, what's the scariest thing you've ever seen? And, and Blackbeard's like, oh, you know, that's hard to say. I don't feel fear. We just cut to Pete going, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> is great but um blackbeard does take the time to share that he has seen the kraken and everyone immediately is like oh whoa and he talks about he saw the kraken killing a man squeezing the life out of him and 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 when you're watching it you're going okay i i kind of believe that could happen with the show you know maybe there's actual sea monsters great and then yeah you can get stabbed and survive yeah, who knows? There there could be a Kraken, but I was thinking, like, that's a giant monster really close to the shore in a harbor. 
I'm still going to choose to believe this. What's very funny. So I first watched this with my friend Heidi. And as Blackbeard's telling this story, I, I turned to her and I'm like, so he's the Kraken and he's the one that killed his dad, right? <laughs> and she's like, maybe. And you, Emily, you did catch it a little before it was revealed. Uh, and this is clearly like a hugely traumatic uh, event that still affects him today because we see later that he has a flashback to it when the the crack is coming aboard the ship. But we'll talk about that too. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I love that he frames it as that was the scariest thing he's ever seen is the Kraken. And I, I think that's important to remember. Yeah, the most terrifying thing to him is is him being in the mindset to commit the violence to kill someone is the most terrifying and horrifying thing that he's ever experienced. Yeah. Uh. <clears throat> but then they start talking about fear and how do you strike fear into your enemies? Because Blackbeard says, that's how I do it. And, and, and they kind of talk a little bit about it. And later on, the crew gets a first hand demonstration on how this works. I didn't say this when we saw his flashbacks to Mary in episode four. And I'm going to say it now. Steed in his nightgown outfit looks like Ebenezer Scrooge from the Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> and he's even wearing the hat. With that hat, like that wide brim nightgown hat. Okay, phew. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was editing our earlier stuff and I was like, oh no, I didn't say it. But, uh, <laughs> so they come up on deck and Emily, my highly trained storyboard eyes have noticed that this screen has been color uh, green. <laughs> something changed <laughs> something important <laughs> well we get buttons back buttons is the one who alerts everyone to this normal fog and he is he only really has this one scene in the show but he's like i would argue the the largest of life characters scene in this stealer. scene yeah, yeah, because he's like, the fog is abnormal, and then he, like, licks the air, and he's like, it tastes abnormal, too. Like, it's just, the the little things that they do with their characters mm-hmm. are so fun, and I'm, I'd be very curious to know what sort of direction was in the script versus mm-hmm. what the actors each brought to the role. And, like, because... Uh, you you mentioned the tasting of the fog got a gets a huge laugh out of me every time I see it because Emily, how would you taste the air? I'd like I think I'd suck it in just oh to like get like a mouthful of it and let it swirl around. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like if I was trying to like it'd be like catching a snowflake where I just sort of stick my tongue out in front of me and be like, you know, and maybe if I want it to be funny, I may like wiggle my tongue a little bit. But he hooks his tongue. Up and around just the very side of his mouth and just like a little. <laughs> so funny. Blackbeard starts peering, appearing around the ship in, you know, different areas through the smoke, through the fog. And the crew of the Revenge is screaming and panicking, except Steed is just taking it all in with. Oh, this is amazing. And it's, it's. Yeah, like he's supposed to be scared, but it's. He's not. What's the word I'm looking for? He's enthralled. He's enthralled. He, yes. 
that could be a really good one. Um, because the crew all thinks it's real, and I couldn't quite tell if Steed thought it was real or not. And we'll kind of get into this later, but the the crew of the Revenge tries to set something similar up later, and it made me think of a haunted house where you go there specifically to be scared, and you know it's not real. But your lizard brain is just like, something jumped out at me. I'm in danger. I have to run. And I've only been to a couple haunted houses in my life. And <laughs> I left my friend behind both times. <laughs> oh. Because I don't do scary. I didn't think, okay, listen. In Utah, there's this, like, Pioneer Village and in Halloween times, you can go and walk through the Pioneer Village through, like, the historical houses and stuff, and they're very tiny. And just your brain, my brain at least, 100% is like, I'm in danger. And my blood pressure was not great. But, yeah, anytime somebody jumped out, I just, like, took off running. Just instinctively. Not like, haha, this will be funny to leave my friend behind. It's just, I'm in danger. I'm going to run away. And my friend can fend for herself. <laughs> So I apologize, Jessica. I'm sorry. <laughs> Most scared I've ever been is the two different times. Listen, if I had a nickel, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> twice, tra -la -la, I've had to play a VR headset for a zombie game in front of other people I didn't know. <laughs> uh, one time I'm at Britta's house and I've just met her. So Britta, I know her husband, but I'm just meeting her husband's brother for the first time. And they're like, hey, try out our new VR headset. And I'm like, oh, do you have Fruit Ninja? And they're like, here, play this zombie game. All you have is a <laughs> flashlight. Because oh, it's, no! Because it's VR in a house, though, you're not moving around. I had to stand still. And so what I'm seeing in my headset is a corridor, uh, an intersection in a corridor. And there are zombies coming towards me down every hallway. And I have to, because it was level it. one, I have to fight them off with just a flashlight. And they're like, as you get better, you can get a screwdriver and then, like, upgrade your weapons throughout. I, listen, I, I was, I think it was Britta's birthday. I think that's why we were doing this. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to be a really good sport because I know she wanted to film me doing this. Britta, if you still have the footage, I'd love to get it. But Send I, it to me, Britta. I was so horrified. Like, just horrified i can't describe the deep-seated fear but um <laughs> after that i got to do a demo of a star wars thing that was just absolutely enchanting and that was great anyway other time um i used to work at a studio called skydance and we had a halloween party with skydance interactive so i was at animation they were at interactive and they were showing us they were the ones working on uh walking dead saints and sinners the vr game and uh, we were doing, you know, as part of the party, we were playtesting early versions of the game. And first they're like, this is the weapons warehouse where I, an incredible gamer, um, impressed the people on the team by getting a perfect score. Like nothing but headshots on the training dummies with every single weapon in the warehouse. Nice. Like shotgun done rifle done handgun done and they're like wow and i was like yeah yeah <laughs> it's like this warehouse set was a it was just you know white walls and everything was laid out on a table 
And then they're like, okay, now we're going to put you into our graveyard set. (laughs) (laughs) I was so horrified that, like, by the time we got to the first zombie, I actually was like, oh, man, I'm... It's hard to wear my glasses and the VR headset at the same time. I think I'm going to have to stop, which I'm so glad I was able to get that out calmly because internally I'm like, you're going to die. You better run. You better run. Now. Like, you're going to get you. You're going to die. They're going to eat your face off. And I'm just like, I was playtesting it in front of like 15 people. And I'm like, do you know what? I'm going to get out now while they're all impressed that I could shoot fake guns. <laughs> Time out. I thought that you did a great, like, boom headshot. Not in the graveyard. No, warehouse only. Warehouse only. Okay. Yeah, no, I was not able to do anything in the graveyard. I chickened out before I even got to the first first Mm -hmm. thing. So I'm trying to, like, pull my thoughts together about Steed doing this because he is quite enamored, like you said, with everything that's going on. And I think it all goes back to the fairy tale thing of like nothing bad can happen on the revenge. Mm-hmm. Except it does. Lucius gets bit by Button's fight or bite response. <laughs> response. Flat or blight or bleed. <laughs> yeah. Um, by his summer teeth. Summer teeth. Some are not. <laughs> I have a way to codify steed's reaction mm-hmm. it's the same thing that ed was feeling when steed showed him the secret wardrobe oh that makes so much more sense yeah Be- yeah that like oh yeah this is part of blackbeard's pirate identity this is what it really is um mm-hmm. and steed loves it and he's like i want to do that He's wearing his golden battle jacket from the the first episode, uh, and I wanna I wanna highlight this golden jacket as a comfort item, um, because Steed puts it on in the first episode when he's horrified of what's coming up with the battle, and he puts it on to make himself feel better. And now here, mm-hmm. as Buttons has woken him up and been like, "Hey, there's something horrible. There's something scary on board." Steed goes for this same golden dressing gown. He has mm-hmm. other dressing gowns, like we we see him, but uh, yeah, just denote that this very particular golden dressing gown is the comfort item. I really like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and Blackbeard kind of explains like this is how you mess with people. This is how you kind of become larger than life, and and it takes eons to perfect it, and all of these things. Yes, and something that's interesting is the crew is only. Uh, Blackbeard's crew is only stage crew, right? They're doing the smoke, they're doing the effects, they're doing the lights. None of them are involved because Blackbeard is technically the scariest one, which is very Mm -hmm. different compared to what Steed's crew does later where everyone gets to do whatever they want. They get to each bring themselves into it, which, again, every pirate captain captains pirates differently. (laughs) Blackbeard's crew is like his backup, his support staff, and Steed's crew is like, each their own important character to the point where we noticed you've noticed you're like oh my gosh jim's back this episode buttons is back this episode we only lost them for one episode and -hmm. you were like it's been (laughs) when will my pirates return from the war uh (laughs) they're each such important characters that you know if they're gone or if they're not 
spotlighted for an episode, you miss them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what happens in the next scene because okay. Megan had me muted. <laughs> okay, I didn't have her mute all of it, but they talk about how um, Blackbeard has a no pets policy aboard his ship. And when Fang joined up, Blackbeard made him put his own dog down. And it was very sad. And Emily loves dogs. And so she did I have to to a dog. She has yeah. a dog. Um, well, the <laughs> Izzy and the boys, uh, they're having an intervention for Blackbeard. And they basically tell him, we think that you see Steed Bonnet as a pet. And you've said that the love of a pet makes a man weak and... You need to put your pet down. Send him to doggy heaven. <laughs> Which becomes a running bit through the episode. <laughs> and here's, listen, I don't want to wax poetical about this, but I would argue the love of a pet strengthens a person and would allow a person to do things that they normally wouldn't think were possible because they love this pet and want to protect it. I would do anything to protect my dog. He's so dumb. He wouldn't know what to do to protect me, but I don't care. I would do anything. Okay, I want you to say that again, but replace (laughs) dog with steed. (laughs) And Blackbeard's like, I would do anything to protect steed. He is so dumb. He would want to protect me, but wouldn't know how. But I would do anything for steed. And I would argue that the love... Of an Ed and a Steed <laughs> makes a man stronger, not weaker. <laughs> oh, listen, some people get pets, some people don't get pets. It's totally fine. But those of us who have and love our pets, we know. You know this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what we know now that Blackbeard killed his dad and then like <clears throat> ran away to sea is he doesn't know about the power. <laughs> just gonna say it, the saving power of love. Like mm-hmm. his mom, she really loved him. Um, but we've seen in his both of his flashbacks that he's had to his family when his mom is like, "We don't get nice things. We don't have a good life. That's just how we are. That's just who we are." That Ed has taken like the dysfunctional lessons he's learned in his childhood. And it's the way that he's run his pirate cruise ever since. And he never had a good example because we find out later his dad is very abusive towards his mom. He runs away to see you're not going to get you're not going to really see, I'm assuming, any really healthy relationships until he's run into Steve Bonnet and his crew who have opened a whole new way of life to him. Hey, Emily, in episode one. What does Steed call piracy? If you don't remember, it's okay. I don't remember. I'm so sorry. He says piracy is a culture of abuse. Oh. That's why we talk about it. We don't bottle it up. Don't bottle it up. No, Frenchie. That's the worst thing you can do. do. We talk it through as a crew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's okay, mate. He's up in doggy heaven now. Yeah, but we go to different heavens. oh so izzy even offers hey listen if it's too hard for you i could kill steed and blackbeard's like no i'll do it it's my he's my dog i'll put him down i'll do it while he's doing something he loves and then which is creepy 
Ed. Creepy. Well, going back to the dog metaphor. I, I, tread carefully. Tread carefully. I know. This this may be sad, but you know the stories of like. No, I don't want to hear it. Okay, never mind. We're not going to put it in. We're not going to put it in. You just want to give them a good last day. Yeah. That's that's what he's doing. He's not saying that, like, in a moment he's happiest, I'll strike him down. It's more like, I'll give him his best last day before I send him to doggy heaven. <laughs> um, And Steed shows up and he says, oh my gosh, we're going to cross with a Dutch merchant ship tomorrow. Uh, and he's like, we should, we should do the thing. So they're going to do the thing. And Izzy stands up for Steed and is like, oh no. His theatrical instincts are finely honed. I think he did a great job. Yeah, because Ed initially says, no, you're not ready for this. No. And to everyone's surprise, Izzy's like, of course Steed can do it. Of course he can. Because if And you... I love... Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Okay. I... <laughs> okay, go, okay. I... Love Steed's costume in this scene. It's the only time we see him wear this thing, but it is like a peach colored light jacket. Like he looks like he should be sailing in the Hamptons, really. Like (laughs) he's a fine gentleman aboard a pirate vessel. And I just, I love that he's wearing the outfit that he's wearing and he's like, we're going to loot a ship. Like he's just, I love it. It's just for one shot. Like this is, yeah, it's, yeah, this isn't so, his whole day's outfit. Pretty much everyone else wears the same outfit all the time, and they put Steed in as many different getups as they can, and I love it. <laughs> um, however, what did I interrupt you? I'm so sorry. So what I was gonna say is when Steed and Izzy met in episode two, Steed pulls off a trickery. That's right, he does with the spirits of the forest. It's an island, it's a jungle. Not a <laughs> it's an island. <laughs> and he ends up using fear to trick Izzy into surrendering. And on that on that ship later with Blackbeard in, at the end of episode two, or maybe it's at the beginning of episode three. I can't remember exactly when he says this. He says, So he uh he tricked you and he bested you at sword play. And Izzy says, you know, it was an ambush, completely unprofessional. But, um, Emily, I think that comment about the swordplay might have really rankled Izzy's feelings. I think so. And that might have been why he decided to duel Steed to the death with swords instead of pistols. Oh. Oh. To prove that he's a better swordsman than he Stupid <laughs> Steve Bonnet. <laughs> <laughs> He does not like Steed, and I don't blame him. Like, I do not like this character. The actor, yeah. fabulous. He he plays his character so well. But it's so sad to, like, almost see him... To see him obviously doing this because of either jealousy or he's struggling with where he feels he fits in again. Yeah. I just, I really feel for this character, even though I do not like him. So, so that is what I think makes a really great villain. Listen, you guys, I'm going to say it. Izzy is the villain of Ed and Steed's story, even though Izzy is definitely the beslighted hero of his own story that like, 
We see where he's coming from. We understand why he's doing this. It's not coming out of nowhere that he just tries to kill Steed at the end of the episode. That, like, this is something that's been building. And that's good writing. The show has great writing. I love it. And, of course, the actor, like you said, has just brought so much extra to this character that, like, I hate Izzy and he's getting in the way of everything I want. But I understand exactly why he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Steed gets so excited uh, that he calls everyone together for, like, a first theater rehearsal and he dresses up as the most hamlet looking cliche pretentious <laughs> tall black turtleneck slinked down hair his hair looks so bad i hate his theatrical hair <laughs> he's asking people to tell stories and the best is like all right steve tell me a story when i was born the rain looked just like blood boring next <laughs> and He's back to his episode one of not really listening to people when they talk. Mm-hmm. Because he wants to really impress Blackbeard. He, he Obviously, he wants his plan to succeed, but I feel like he also really wants to show, like, yes, I can do this. Yeah. Um, and so everyone's throwing out, like, what if we did this? What if we did this? And Steve's just like, no, 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 no. Like, the Swede wants to sing and, <laughs> you know... Other people want to pretend like, oh, what if there's like bodies with like meat and blood and guts and all of these things? And um, their rehearsal is interrupted by Lucius's um, medical emergency. (laughs) Does anyone smell that? Like a dead person smell? (laughs) (laughs) Apparently he has an infection in his finger and his finger has just like blown up to sausage size and he like passes out okay something i love about this scene that i didn't notice till this watch through is when his finger comes out and he staggers and leans forward he just puts his hand on top of black pete's head to be like uh he's leaning on him and i just i thought that was funny that was really good oh this finger is so gross and again we have one of these tableau sets up with like the other pirates are stacked in this very particular triangle shape that's too deliberate to be like natural and i mm-hmm. i love the tableau settings in this in this episode mm-hmm. so steed storms off in a huffy and uh he goes to his he goes to his quarters while they take lucius to the infirmary emily who runs the infirmary well it's run by roach out of the kitchen <laughs> he goes a knife is a knife meat is meat and they decide they need to amputate it and they have fang here who is here helping and i am really hoping that fang is getting absorbed into the crew of the revenge because i feel he would fit in so well there i just feel like this would be a very good place for fang to be um he's a visual artist you can't cut off the boys oh yes (laughs) he's so great this actor is wonderful all the actors are wonderful but yeah um there, Megan very kindly told me this was a fake out because they go to chop off his finger and Lucius wakes up and is able to pull his hand out yeah. and take off running. So thank you for giving me the, the heads up. This was the, this was the, remember when I was giving you content warnings at the very beginning of the show that there are little amputations? Yes. This finger is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's... When Lucius runs, Roach is like, it's just a dream. 
laughing and he's just I think he's having a good time with this because Black Pete is talking to Roach he's like is there any other way and he's like in my professional opinion no (laughs) I was so ready for that sandwich he makes at the end of the episode I'm like that sandwich has Lucius's finger in it like the way he says knives are knives and meat is meat I'm like Roach has definitely put people in the food before Hannibal Roach crossover. (laughs) (laughs) All right, time for a dark and dramatic scene inside the captain's quarters. Yeah. So the lighting in, in this sequence is so good. When we've had the scenes with uh Ed and Steed in here together, it's Mm -hmm. fully lit, it's warm, it's inviting. And for this shot, most of the windows are covered and there's just one uh, harsh directional light coming from the side, which makes for great silhouettes and shadows and dramatic as we're having a face-off, really, between Steed and uh, Izzy. And And also talking about the light, there is that one harsh beam and even when, the way that it's set up, even when Izzy crosses the light, he never he's never illuminated. He's still in shadow even when yeah. he walks through the light. It's yeah. really cool. That it like only cuts across his legs and his eyes are, are still shadowed and stuff. Hey, Emily. Look at you. Hey. I didn't even go to art school. Listen, you don't need to go to art school to appreciate art. All right? Humans innately enjoy artistic endeavors. Art is older than art school, okay? <laughs> you have He's saying I'm a, I'm a genius. I'm a savant. So, uh, I like to imagine that Izzy thinks, oh, this is the last time I'll ever have to talk to Steve Bonnet. And he's enjoying it. He's almost, mm-hmm. he's almost here to gloat. Not almost. He is here to gloat. Izzy's getting what he wants. Ed is killing Steed tonight. And Izzy's here to lord it over him with a bunch of ironic, perform like it's your last night on earth, you know, kind of nonsense. <laughs> but uh, again, we have someone knocking the library. Izzy says the library is a perverse use of space. <laughs> Ed is the only person who truly appreciates the library. <laughs> and so um, this talk kind of works as a pep talk for Steed. And he goes back to his crew. And like you said, Megan, before, he's like, so... This is a shared work. I kind of made this about me, but we're all going to work together. Give me your ideas. And they're like, oh, we've already planned it. I mean, we need help with the finale, but here's all the cool stuff we're going to do. And it's just, it's fun that even though like the captain left, the crew's still like, hey, we're going to do this. Here, what's your idea? What's your idea? Yes, we will make it happen. I talk it through as a crew. As a crew. I want to jump back to the, the cabin talk for for just a second because steed is you know all in a huff and he's gonna quit the thingery and he's never gonna do it and then izzy's like oh i went out on a limb for you i i stood up for you and steed's like well you know why it doesn't matter and then here is one of my favorite lines of the episode izzy says it's my job to make sure edward is content and he adores you why i'll never know so, I'm sorry, Izzy, but that is what I think really gets Steed's attention because 
he's I think he's worried that Blackbeard isn't gonna think their thingery is cool enough mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or interesting enough. This last bit with Izzy coming up to the curtains and like running his hand down the curtains, so ominous, so scary. His threat talk becomes a pep talk. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I also feel like it almost feels like a death shroud. You know? (laughs) Did this come out on Halloween? No. Okay. It feels like a Halloween episode. It does feel like a Halloween episode. This came out, it's May now. I think it aired through like March, April, and May. Okay. It hasn't been, oh, no. It came out through February, March, and April. Okay. Right. Yeah. 10 episodes, 10 weeks. Uh, Seed has an idea for the finale. Yeah. Blackbeard's trying to psych him up. Frenchie shows up covered in green face paint to take him to his seat. And it turns out our plan is to have the enemies come aboard our ship instead of invading them. And they have literally set it up as a haunted house. Do you recognize the captain of the Dutch merchant ship? His, okay, I recognize him as an actor, but I could not tell you what he's in. I'm just like, I know his face, yeah. but that's it. I'm getting by, by, by until the day I die. I'm getting by. <laughs> he does a great Dutch accent. <laughs> Let's go have a look. So, yes, this actor plays, what's his character's name on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? I don't, I don't, he's just the boss. That's, oh. Listen, I'm terrible at names okay. i'm just like i know your face but not your name uh, i haven't seen crazy ex-girlfriend i just use that bisexual song and send it to people when they're like i didn't know and i'd be like here's my theme song <laughs> <laughs> but that's not it because bi is legit anyway <laughs> the the thingery is not off to an inspiring start it's a very uh, amateur production. Yeah. Because Steed is trying to, not beat for beat, but he's trying to take what he's learned from Ed and and instigate it. And so he has dressed himself up and he's still in that like tall turtleneck and the slick back hair. And he has dressed up two of the other crew members who do not share his body type or size. Or and hair. they're supposed to, or hair. <laughs> and they're supposed to be him because the, you know, like Steed will pop up one place and the other one will pop up another place. And, and, um, the, the Dutch crew is just like, what is happening? Like, they're very confused and they're not afraid at all. <laughs> but I love the Swede. I love the Swede dressed up because he's like, he's like holding onto the ropes. And then he, like, kind of slips and falls. <laughs> I think it's great. Uh, Frenchie's playing a witch. And Wee John is playing his cat. I love this <laughs> duo. Uh, because we know that Frenchie's terrified of witches. And maybe to some extent women. <laughs> and he's like, this is the most terrifying thing I know. Yeah. Steed hurries down. So he and Ed are hidden behind a curtain in his room. And just through the whole thing, Ed is trying to bring himself to bear to send Steve to doggy heaven. The Dutch, <laughs> the Dutch aren't scared. They're more like confused. Um, yeah. But uh, when we get into the, when we get into the room where Jim gets to dismember a fake dead body 
and Buttons uh, gets to pretend to eat the face off of someone. <laughs> the just comes in, clearly feverish, and he's like, they can't cut off my finger if there's no finger to cut off. And he just takes a giant pair of scissors and thwack goes the finger. <laughs> and yes! that's what freaks everybody out. Ed's even like, how did you do that? He's like, I don't know. All right. Then the Swede starts to sing, which is the cue for the finale. Oh, Emily, what do you know about this song? Nothing. Okay. But you have heard it before, right? Like you could recognize the tune? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is a song from The Marriage of Figaro. Mm -hmm. And it is sung by a character who is male, but is usually played by a soprano. Mm -hmm. And... You know, it's, um, you know, anyway, this song is saying you who know what love is. Uh, and he's he's asking people on stage, it's you, you know what love is. Do I have it in my heart? What am I feeling? What am I experiencing? This is, here, I'll, I'll read the lyrics. It is new to me and I do not understand it. I have a feeling full of desire that now is both pleasure and suffering. So it's someone who's been a bit of a playboy in the past is experiencing mm-hmm. tr- romance and like love for the first time. And he doesn't understand it. And that's the song they chose for the Swede to sing. And as the Swede is singing this, you who know what love is, what am I experiencing? Steen says, that's my cue. (laughs) (laughs) So Ed, I think, got distracted enough by the finger, the singing, all of it, that, that he doesn't stab Steed. And then Emily, what is the grand finale the grand finale is the crew is out there banging on the windows with homemade like tentacles to look like the kraken and it sends blackbeard into like the flashback and he stumbles out from behind the curtain and the dutch see him and immediately go blackbeard we're out bye see ya and i i think that I mean, it just proves Blackbeard's point even more that he doesn't literally have to do anything. Like, he's clearly in emotional distress. Yeah. He's not a threat at this moment. But the the other Dutchmen know exactly who he is and just peace out and are just like, uh-uh. And that the, the huge theatrical thingery that Blackbeard set up at the beginning of the episode, he doesn't even have to do those anymore. Like, yeah. I, I'd like to think that the one he did for Steed and his crew was the first real one he did in a long time. Mm-hmm. I have no proof of that. This just was in my heart. But anyway. Because I feel like people wouldn't appreciate it nowadays. They would just be like, <gasps> Black Blackbeard and not pay attention to all the hard work that he's had to do and put him yeah. and his crew through. Yeah. So everyone else goes up on deck and Blackbeard goes into Steed's secret passage. Yeah. Um, which... You know, only he and Steed knows about. And Steed follows him in. And this is... I love this 
I love this bathtub scene. Yeah. Emily, what did Blackbeard grab uh, to cover himself when he crawls into the bathtub? Is it the piece of very fine cashmere? It's the golden robe. It's the (gasps) comfort robe. I couldn't tell in the lighting. That's really sweet. And the way that this is is shot, it's almost like the camera doesn't want to intrude on this scene. We have yeah. We have you feel several... like you're you're back and peeking through something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, listen, I know I was throwing awards at Izzy earlier in this. Uh, I. I think this is one of Taika's best scenes in the whole show. Like the way he's crying while he's trying to get his, while he's trying to get his lines out and trying not to like break down further. Mm -hmm. So wonderfully done. But he admits in this scene that I was going to kill you. And take your identity. Burn off your face. Tells him the whole plan. And he also tells him, I killed my dad. I'm the Mm -hmm. Kraken. Yeah, he really is. (sighs) Hold on, let me think. I love this because he's unburdening because he feels safe enough to do it, not because he's being frightened into giving up the location of loot or anything like that. But he's truly, I feel safe with Steed and I feel okay telling Steed this thing. And I love that Steed, because I think... I think Ed is maybe maybe prepared for Steed to be like, you were going to kill me? I never want to see you again. But Steed just says, hey, what if we just forget you were going to do that and just pretend it never happened? And he's like, okay. Like, it's not the outcome he was expecting. And I love characters being surprised. And yeah, yeah. You don't belong in doggy heaven. Is, is that a pirate term? Or... <laughs> oh, and then I personally am completely undone when he's, you know, crying. He's like, I don't have any friends. Steed's like, I'm your friend. And then at the very end of the shot, Steed puts his hand on Blackbeard's shoulder. And then Ed just leans over and puts his head on top of Steed's hand. And I'm like, well, I'm going to lose it. (laughs) (laughs) Human connection is so very important. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, some of those shots that are shot through the window or looking at the reflection of the mirror. That's like, it feels like a very private, quiet scene, even though you know, when they're filming it in real life, you've got a camera and 50 people behind it just looking straight in your face. Yeah. And they both, I think, did a really, uh, really outstanding job. But they come up on deck afterwards and Ed is congratulating everyone. And and I love what, oh, I love how Black Pete is like, what, what did you think? <laughs> and he's, and Blackbeard's like, you scared the pants off me and, and I just, I, I'm going to have to, I just love this scene because he's like, I thought you didn't feel fear. And he's like, not until today. And everyone is just like, oh, we scared Blackbeard. It feels like a kindergarten class that has like 
hidden from their teacher and she can clearly see where each one is. Yeah. And then, you know, they jump out and yell surprise and they go, oh, I was so scared. I just, I, I love that because that's not what I think Blackbeard would have done with a regular crew at all. You can see how yeah. he's being changed. He's, uh, he's learning how to parent from Steed. Yeah. <laughs> They're co-parenting all their pirate kids. <laughs> from just what we've seen of Blackbeard's backstory, doesn't seem like a lot of these pirates had supportive, safer, good childhoods. Oh, yeah. And it's Who, almost like they're getting to be kids as adults. They're getting to, like, make up for the time and the love that they may have lost in their lives. Mm-hmm. Which is really important in, like, figuring out who you are and doing things that bring you joy. Compliments the Swede. <laughs> Don't tease me. <laughs> tease me. <laughs> <laughs> And then stupid Izzy has to ruin everything because obviously Edward didn't kill Steed like he was supposed to. So Izzy's like, well, now I've got to take it into my own hands and I'm going to do it for you. Yes. I have things to say about this, but you can finish your thoughts. I just got really excited. Without them having to state it. I mean, because Blackbeard did state like, I always leave the big jobs to other people. I think Izzy realizes, I'm going to have to do this. This is my job. I'm going to do my job and get some personal pleasure out of it at the same time. But I'm gonna do it. So this scene. Ed could intervene at any time. He's got the most power on this ship out of anyone. He could stand up straight and be like, he could get in between them. He could even take on Izzy himself, right? Mm -hmm. He doesn't. He lets Steed and Izzy duel because, again, he always outsources the big jobs to someone else. And if Steed gets rid of Izzy, that would take care of that problem. If Izzy gets rid of Steed, that would take care of that problem. And I think that Ed isn't quite ready to choose between them. Because while Mm -hmm. he is, you know, the words we used before, enamored by Steed, enchanted by Steed, it's a big thing to abandon everything you've learned or everything you've been up to this point. If and, you're not ready, yeah. Yeah, and I think here he's he's going to let Izzy make the choice for him, and he resigns himself to losing Steed over the course of this duel. It it starts off as fun, funny times with Steed spanking <laughs> Izzy, but then the moment Izzy gets Steed up against the mast, and Steed's like, should we call it a draw? Ed turns away. He's not going to watch when Steed gets killed. And then Emily, like a fairy tale, Steed gets stabbed, but he doesn't die. And Blackbeard comes from, you know, the the storytelling of Blackbeard is that death is everywhere. Death gets everyone. He's the only one who's exempt in that grim you know we're gonna say just the grim dark the only one who's been exempt in that grim dark world is blackbeard because he's been stabbed through dozens of times and it's never killed him but other people aren't like that other people aren't like him he's blackbeard he's the only one but then steed gets stabbed and survived and you see it in his face and there's a moment where he walks over to steed on the mask and i honestly thought i'm like they're gonna kiss right now Epi- wow episode six here it comes he didn't i was actually kind of surprised because just like the look in 
Taika's eyes as he's headed towards Steed. I was like, what? <laughs> also, I love the setup and payoff of the sword and the mast. Yeah. <laughs> because he, yeah, Steed's run all the way through, pinned to the mast like a butterfly on a cork board. <laughs> and Izzy tries to take the, the sword out and, and Steed is so proud of his ship. He's like, it's made from Brazil cherry wood one of the time. Izzy's like, shut up. But his sword breaks, the handle breaks off. And Buttons comes over and announces, hey, we're playing by dueling rules. He basically incapacitated your sword. That means Steed wins. Even though he hasn't actually, like, defeated or stabbed Izzy himself by the rules, by the gentleman's rules, Steed has won. I don't think Steed victory was an accident. You see him lead Izzy over. I think he had the, oh yeah, if I get stabbed on the left, I'll be okay. He has that in mind. He makes Izzy stab this mast on purpose because it's such a hard wood. And he knows Izzy won't be able to get the sword back out. So I actually, I don't think this victory was accidental. I think Steed learned from what he's been studying. And he ended up... You know, instead of using violence to win the duel, he used more frickery. <laughs> and I love that he uses his pirate knowledge and his gentleman knowledge, that they can exist in the same world, the same circle. The gentleman pirate. <laughs> the gentleman pirate. Oh, yeah. Oh, so they, they send Izzy off in a rowboat. Roach tosses uh-huh. him a sandwich. And it was apparently uh, an improv by Samba, the actor who plays Roach, that uh, script was he's supposed to throw the sandwich and it just misses the boat and just lands right in the water. And then on day of, he's like, what if I threw it and it hit him in the face? And so they had to do like multiple takes of it. So Con O'Neill is just getting hit in the face with the sandwich just in a row. But uh yeah, I was horrified that the finger was going to be in the sandwich. <laughs> because they have a little goodbye ceremony for Lucius's finger. Fang is the one that takes care of it and chucks it overboard. And um, the scene. So this is this is also the scene that I love because it's got Lucius and Black Pete, and Black Pete has carved, has whittled Lucius a new finger so that he can have a, a finger. But I. Because you never get this. You never get... Okay, I say never. You rarely get men talking about feelings. Especially in, like, such a tough guy setting the pirates. But he's like... So Black Pete tells Lucius, I'm around death all the time. And so I'm used to it. But I I thought you were going to die. And I'm not used to your death. Like, he just... Ooh! I just... I love people being open and vulnerable with each other and just saying what they're feeling and not talking around it, not being passive aggressive. Just if we could all say what was really on our minds, just do it. Just do it. And he's probably never had the opportunity before. And he's never, he doesn't know like the language to do this kind of talk. And, and it's like, you're saying he's combining his pirate knowledge with this new you know this hey. new knowledge it's very cute and it ends in a kiss and they're going steady now because you made him a finger <laughs> do, <laughs> do the wooden boy voice <laughs> father when can i go to be on my own <laughs> oh 
the little so, fingers in the little box and it's almost like an engagement ring even though it's like <laughs> a really weird wooden finger i bet all that it's it's dumb <laughs> he's like there's a lot you don't know about me and lucius is like uh-huh because he's like i didn't know you whittled and then black pete goes actually no that's pretty much it <laughs> uh captain's still stuck to the mast no one cares <laughs> no. you good uh, I-, I would love it out i'll go get someone <laughs> <laughs> And so the ending of this did surprise me because obviously we haven't seen the last of Izzy. He's a maniacal, conniving person. But I fully expected him to go to the English because the last episode ended with the full, you know, we have the full English might behind you to go hunt the cat bandits down. But he doesn't, Izzy doesn't go to the English, which makes total sense now that I've seen it because Izzy's a pirate, duh. Uh He goes to spanish jackie and we get we get leslie jones back so she's uh she's back and 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 he's izzy comes and kind of like presents like hey i have a business opportunity for you uh let's do business all right bad times ahead um i'm sorry this wasn't your favorite episode i'm really glad you enjoyed five so much uh, there's much less amputation in the next episode, which in seven. is called "This Is Happening." Oh, oh, oh! That's either really good or a really bad thing. Well, we'll find out. Tune in <laughs> next week on "My Sister Made Me View It" miscellaneous as we continue our voyage through season one of "Our Flag Means Death." Uh, as of today, Sunday, May eighth, there has been no announcement as to a season oh. two. I actually pulled up Tyka's Tyka retweeted David Jenkins six weeks in a row. Our flag means death has been the most in demand breakout series. Yeah, yeah, that's ahead six of Moon weeks. Knight. And not only yeah. that, because Moon Knight was currently airing over the last six weeks. This has been in like the four weeks since the show was over. Demand for it has been growing every single week even though the season is wrapped. Emily, what do you think that means about the season finale? That we... Oh, Tegan, I'm afraid that something really bad is going to happen. And and everyone's like, please renew it so that we can find out what happens. Because that's what a good season finale does, is it answers all the questions of the season and leaves you with a really big stinger at the end to get you to come back the next season. But alternatively, maybe it ends really nicely and we don't get that very often. And so people keep coming back to watch it over and over and over again because it's a nice, complete, full, happy, everything's fine storyline. Please tell me it's the latter one. Maybe it's one of those two things. I'm not going to tell you, though, um, because this is a a spoiler-free watch through. (laughs) Like, I'm so afraid of Emily getting spoilers. We probably won't start posting this until we watch them all because I'm just terrified of someone being like, ah, in episode eight, blah, blah, nine, blah, blah. So... But you you are having a fun time, though. I am having a very fun time. A very good time. Yep. Well, we're going to wrap this one up. And... Wait, you have to do the talk it through as a crew ending. Oh, yeah. 
All right, and now we've passed one of my favorite episodes, mostly because of the symbolism setup and payoff, but <laughs> they're still good from here on out. I don't hate anything in this show. Uh, so next week, we're gonna check out episode seven. This is happening, and when it happens, we will talk it through as a crew. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great night. (laughs) Bye. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of My Sister Made Me View It, Miscellaneous Covering Season 1 of Our Flag Means death if you like to hear emily and i watch things and talk about them and talk about them and watch them and read them well then i've got great news we have two other podcast feeds you can listen to this thursday july the 14th we'll be releasing our next roswell episode we are getting deeper and deeper into season two and it's very exciting we will be back with another episode of our flag means death on tuesday july the 19th and the following thursday july 21st we'll have the second episode of our words of radiance coverage oh that's so exciting our backlogs are getting larger and larger all of the time Special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm, for our intro and outro on all of our podcasts. And a special thanks to you. Yes, the listener listening to this. You specifically. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We will catch you next time, but until then, have a great week. Bye! (laughs) 